On the far reaches of our solar system sits a little icy planet. And depending on who you ask, it may not even be a planet at all. Pluto rests over 3 billion miles from Earth. It's smaller than our moon, it has five moons of its own, and its surface is mostly frozen nitrogen. It takes 248 Earth years for the lopsided orbit of Pluto to fully go around the sun. And one day on the planet, is roughly 153 hours long. It lay undetected by science on the freezing cold outskirts behind Neptune until Clyde Tombaugh used a very powerful microscope in Flagstaff, Arizona. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Amanda Luberto, and today we're going beyond the beyond to talk about how Pluto was discovered and why a state representative is advocating for it to get a special designation. I'm Kevin Schindler, and I'm the historian and public information officer at Lowell Observatory where I've worked for 29 years. Despite his background being in paleontology and geology, Kevin's passions have been up in the sky rather than down in the dirt for quite a while now. At this point, he's written multiple books about Flagstaff, Pluto, and the Lowell Observatory. He started at the observatory in the 90s, giving tours to curious visitors, setting up telescopes, and sharing the great history of the Science Center. I was especially fascinated by the history because Lowell Observatory has a pretty unique history with its founder, who was a self-taught astronomer who was controversial in a lot of his ideas, but he put his money where his mouth was. And because of him, we have this not only observatory in Flagstaff, but Arizona is one of the leading centers for astronomical research and education. Percival Lowell came from a well-to-do Massachusetts family of the mid-1800s where it seems that success was the only option. Lowell's family had been lawyers, judges, writers, war generals, and so on, going back generations. And so Percival Lowell certainly came into the world with that expectation that he'd do something important. He went to Harvard, the standard for a Lowell, and he majored in mathematics. When he graduated, he did finances for the family mill business, until he decided to go overseas. Lowell spent about a decade in Korea and Japan, learning about Eastern culture and writing books about his experiences. Even today, he is considered a distinguished scholar in the areas he lived in. When he returned to the States, he began his life as an astronomer. He was inspired by a couple people, including one, an Italian astronomer named Giovanni Schiaparelli, who in 1877 had detected what he thought were these really linear markings on Mars that he called Canali. And Percival Lowell and others interpreted this as, you know, these things are so linear, so straight, nothing in nature could grow like that. So Percival Lowell and others called them canals, implying that they were 
created by some sort of intelligent life. And this really got person well excited. This was the first known search for life on Mars. Long before David Bowie told the tale of sailors fighting in the dance halls and the freakiest show of watching cavemen go, Percival Lowell asked, is there life on Mars? In order to find the answer to his question, further study what looked like canals of water on Mars's surface, and essentially live up to the family name, Lowell used his family fortune and built himself a private observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. He was drawn to northern Arizona for a few reasons. Primarily, it was to escape the light pollution from large cities back east. This brightens up the skies, and it makes it harder to see small details in space. Arizona also has several mountain peaks at pretty high elevation, which makes it easier for telescope viewing. His research and dedicated study to the possibility of life on Mars integrated itself into the pop culture of the day. You know, some people have called it sort of a Carl Sagan of his time. Lowell was an astronomy advocate and a founding father of questioning life beyond Earth. He wrote books, was featured in major newspapers, and inspired science fiction writers like H.G. Wells. He built this consciousness that made us think and made us look and inspired some scientists to want to prove him right. The search for life on Mars has lived past him, even though it is widely accepted now that there is nothing more than the possible microbial life on the red planet. Just this year, NASA concluded its helicopter program on Mars after three years. There's a department at Arizona State University dedicated to studying the geology of Mars using spacecrafts. Now, you may be looking at the title of this episode and wondering, wait, I thought we were talking about Pluto, not Mars. So let's move from the fourth planet to the ninth planet. During this time, Lowell was using his background in mathematics to also study the orbit of Uranus. The planet has two sets of rings and has an unusual magnetic field. Lowell credited these irregularities to the possibility of a ninth unseen planet just behind it. At the turn of the 20th century, he put together an organized search for a new planet and dedicated a staff at the Flagstaff Observatory to study it. The year before he passed, Lowell penned a book all about his research. In 1916, Percival Lowell died of a stroke. He's buried on Mars Hill in Flagstaff, right near the observatory.
The search to prove Lowell Wright didn't end with his passing, though. Since the observatory remained owned by the family, his brother donated funds to get them an even more powerful telescope, one that could help them see beyond the known solar system at the time. But with Lowell gone, they didn't really have anyone to do the actual work he was doing. His passing left the center with only three scientists. One was in the state legislature at the time. One was a director. One was doing other research. And so the director of the observatory, he was kind of sending out feelers around the country to colleagues. Hey, do you have anybody who might be able to help us with this project? Do you have any money that could support um, somebody working on this project? And in 1928, an unexpected young farmer in Kansas answered the call. You know, I farmed during the daytime. At nighttime, I've always loved astronomy. I built my own telescopes. And here are some of the drawings I made of some of the planets. I just want to send these to professionals to see what you think. This was Clyde Tombaugh. He started by just taking pictures through the telescope and having other scientists analyze it, hoping to find something new. Proving to be a very proficient astronomer, though, it wasn't long before Tombaugh was doing the analyzing himself. Visiting scientists told him that he was wasting his time, that all the planets had already been discovered, that there was nothing more out there. But on February 18, 1930, Tombaugh spotted something different. It was described as the scientific discovery of the century. Pluto became the only planet discovered in the United States and the first planetary discovery in almost 100 years. The Lowell Observatory meticulously went over the photographs before announcing the finding, ensuring that it wasn't a comet or an asteroid or some other mistake, but actually a new planet. On March 13th, the astronomers went public with their revelation. March 13th, 1781 is the date that William Herschel discovered Uranus. And March 13th, 1855, 75 years to the day, that's the day the person was born. He didn't live to see his theory come true, but Lowell was never far from their thoughts. Eventually, the planet needed a symbol to represent it, and they went with the first two letters of Pluto, PL, stacked together. Coincidentally, PL also stood for Percival Lowell. I'm just giving you kind of an example of why I think Pluto resonates with the public so much because it's more than just scientific discovery. It's small town, self-made, self-taught scientists who actually made the discovery. It's years of painstaking predictions of work that led to it. It's this devotion to the founder who started searching for it. Decades and decades later, in 2006, the International Astronomical Union redefined what qualified as a planet, and under those new terms, Pluto did not count. It was downgraded to a dwarf planet and is currently no longer considered the ninth planet in our solar system. This caused not only a lot of confusion to young Amanda, who had recently learned all about the solar system, but it became a healthy debate within the science community. 
While this union is seen as the official governing body of astronomy, they also didn't include many planetary scientists, according to astronomer Dr. Larry Wasserman, who also works at the Lowell Observatory. If you took a survey of the planetary astronomers around the world, I think about 75 or 80 percent of them would say a planet is an object that has pulled itself into a round shape and that goes around the sun. End of story, or it goes around another star, for that matter. And so there, are, there would be about 14 or 15 planets in our solar system. So what? You know, I've heard people say, well, if there were more than eight or nine, children couldn't remember them. How many flowers are there? I mean, you know, we, we define a flower as that, you know, everybody understands what a flower is. But we don't say we can only have nine flowers. If you have the name planet, then you can classify everything from there. You know, the Earth is a ro- on Mars and Venus are rocky planets. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune are gas giants. Pluto is an icy dwarf planet. It's a small planet. Well, that's fine. But, but, but it's still a planet. Kevin Schindler agrees with his colleague. And it's confusing because we have things like dwarf galaxies and dwarf stars, and those are types of galaxies and stars. But this wording said, we're going to call the dwarf planet, but that's not a type of planet. Then you have other people, scientists, Pluto experts like Dr. Alan Stern, who headed the New Horizons project that flew by Pluto. And he said, yeah, Pluto is a dwarf planet, but it's a type of planet. These icy planets out at the further reaches of the solar system, and Pluto is kind of the prototype one. And there are a bunch of them. They're a lot smaller than the other traditional planets. And so, depending on who you talk to today in scientific circles, okay, Pluto's a dwarf planet, but that's a type of planet. Or Pluto's a dwarf planet, it's not a type of planet. Or Pluto's just a planet, you're not going to make the separation. Culturally, it was fascinating because a lot of the public had a problem with it. Kevin told me that after Pluto was reclassified, people continuously asked Lowell employees how it felt to have their planet taken away. He laughed and said, it's still out there and nothing will ever change the fact that it was discovered in Flagstaff. And this is partially why Arizona State Representative Justin Wilmoth presented legislation this year to have it named the state planet. This gives teachers in every school across the state the excuse or the ability to bring that back up and let kids know that this discovery was made here. And you can get into the arguments that Pluto's smaller, they're a dwarf planet, whatever. That's not really the point. The point is it was discovered here. A telescope in 1930 found an object billions of miles away and it happened in Flagstaff, Arizona. That is mind blowing to me. Representative Wilmoth is not from Arizona, but has had an affinity for the state since attending ASU. I've lived in five states. I'm in Arizona and to the core now adopted. That's why I do this crazy thing as a legislator. Early in the 2024 legislative session, he put forth a bill to give Pluto a special recognition. Each state has these different icons, you know, a state bird, a state flower, a state flag. And every state also has symbols that are more reflective of the individuality and personality of the state. For example, Wisconsin has a designated state waltz. New Hampshire has a state spider. Washington has a state oyster. Arizona has a state necktie, the bolo tie. 
And now Arizona might have a state planet, Pluto. This was inspired by Representative Wilmoth's visit to Lowell. Last spring, I was able to go to Lowell Observatory and they gave us a tour of entirely new building they're making, kind of a visitor center museum where you can bring kids on field trips and show them about the solar system and Pluto and all of these things. And it took me back to when I was a kid, enamored with the solar system and wanting to be an astronaut before I realized how much math and science I need. But I've always had a love and affinity for the solar system and space and things like that. So that was a great trip. This was last spring, spring of 23. And I didn't have the idea then, but they were very proud of the Pluto thing. We saw the telescope that discovered it. And then this fall, I was driving around, came down here, I was talking with my staff about this and that. And I said, you know, I just wanna have some fun this year. This is gonna be a, a weird year. The budget is what it is, all those things. I wanna have some fun. I wanna do something like, I don't know, like make Pluto the state planet. And they're like, do you wanna do that? I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> and so it was kind of a, an accidental accident that we're even talking about this today. And it wasn't an intention that I've had forever and ever. It's only been the last few months. But I thought about that trip to Flagstaff and seeing that history. And I said to myself, this is stuff that people need to know that I think goes under the surface. People don't realize that that was discovered in Arizona. And whether you agree it's a planet or not, it was a discovery made in the state of Arizona. And it's the only state to make a planet-sized discovery. And that's why I'm running this bill. This is why I'm doing it. And uh, I think that's just important to note Arizona's place in astronomical history. He said that almost immediately, he received emails from constituents complaining about taking up legislative time with something frivolous like a state planet. So he did the number crunching and realized it would really only take about an hour of the state's time over the entire legislative session. There's a lot of time we burn on redundant bills and on strikers and on mirror bills and things like that, technical corrections, which we always use as a go around at the end of session. There's a lot of things that we do procedurally that burn a lot of time. So this is not adding but an hour. As of this recording, the bill has passed through the House Governing Committee with bipartisan approval. It now has to be considered by the full House before continuing on its run to becoming a law. In a press release, Representative Wilmoth said, The discovery of Pluto at the Lowell Observatory is a testament to our state's scientific legacy, and by designating Pluto as our state planet, we honor the curiosity and dedication of those who have expanded our cosmic horizons. The city of Flagstaff celebrates the discovery of Pluto each year with an I Heart Pluto Festival, a nod to the heart-shaped region on the surface of the ice planet. Mother Road Brewing creates a new astronomy titled beer each year, Restaurants do Pluto specials, and artists produce art inspired by it. If the bill doesn't get passed and the planet never gets reclassified as a full planet, history will always know that Arizona is a revolutionary space connection. Thank you for listening to this episode of Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed. Don't forget to rate us five stars wherever you're listening. Curious about something? Let us know. Visit valley101.ezcentral.com to submit your questions to the podcast. You can follow us on social media at AZC Podcasts. This episode was edited and produced by me, Amanda Luberto. Haley Monahan provided additional production support. Episode overview by Kara Edgerson. Today's music comes from Universal Production Music and, of course, David Bowie. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.